Welcome to the CanMed Coffee Talk podcast, where each episode we talk with the leading minds in cannabis science, medicine, cultivation, and safety testing. I am your host, Ben Amaralt. I'm the marketing manager at Medicinal Genomics and proud member of the team that puts on the CanMed conference every year. Head over to CanMedEvents.com to learn more about this year's CanMed 2020 event, scheduled for September 20th through 22nd in Pasadena, California. And if social media is your thing, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Just search CanMed Events. If you listened to the last episode with Dr. Ethan Rousseau, then you know he will be joining us at CanMed 2020 as a keynote presenter in the science focus area. And if you've not listened to it, go back and check it out. Ethan has such a wealth of knowledge, you're sure to get something out of it, no matter what your level of cannabis expertise. We do have three more keynote presenters to unveil in each of their respective focus areas, medicine, cultivation, and safety testing. The next keynote presenter will be my guest on the next episode of the podcast, May 13th. You don't want to miss that one or any episode of the CanMed Coffee Talk podcast. So be sure to subscribe on your app of choice. Speaking of announcements, we have extended the deadline for our special $420 full conference ticket price to May 20th. We understand there's a lot of uncertainty in the world right now and that purchasing a ticket for an event in September might not be high on your priority list. Hopefully, this extension will help. Head over to CanMedEvents.com now to get your ticket and learn more about this year's event. Yes, you heard that right. CanMed 2020 is still on for Pasadena, California this September 20th through 22nd. We are monitoring the COVID-19 situation and working with the convention center to ensure the safety of all of our attendees. We have also modified our refund policy so that if we do end up postponing the event due to COVID-19, we will provide a 100% refund to ticket holders if the new dates cause a conflict. You can view our full refund policy and any COVID-19 updates on our website, canmedevents.com. We have a great episode for you today. I had a conversation with Martin A. Lee, the co-founder and director of Project CBD. In addition to creating content for the Project CBD website and speaking at conferences around the globe, Martin has authored several books, including Smoke Signals, A Social History of Marijuana, Medical, Recreational, and Scientific. It's a great read. We actually have a copy in our office. Martin and I discussed the topic everyone is talking about, COVID-19. Martin has reviewed the scientific literature to find out whether CBD can calm the cytokine storm that the COVID virus can set off, whether CBD has antiviral properties, and if cannabis is an immune booster, suppressant, or both. As you can imagine, with a virus as new and novel as COVID-19 and a federal ban on cannabis, the research is far from conclusive. But I think you will see there is some potential in some areas that merit future research. Who knows? Maybe we will see some compelling data at a future CanMed event. Before I get to my conversation, we are proud to have Project CBD as our sponsor this week. Project CBD is an educational news service reporting on cannabidiol, other components of the cannabis plant, and herbal medicine synergies. Learn more at projectcbd.org. 
Okay, and without any further ado, here is my conversation with Martin Lee. Good afternoon, Martin. Thanks for joining us. Uh, My pleasure. Uh, yeah, I just want to thank you again for, for taking the time to join us during what I imagine must be a hectic time for you and your family. I know you were personally affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. So first, how are you and your wife doing? Well, I'm not showing any symptoms, but my wife did um, ha- was infected and, and she's now just out of quarantine. So she had a relatively mild case of the COVID-19 virus uh, and you know, as you know, it's not always mild. It can be sometimes fatal, but there's a spectrum of symptoms. And, uh, you know, we're obviously interested in how cannabis in general and CBD in particular might affect that entire spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the main reasons I wanted to to talk to you today. Um, I did see the article that you published on Project CBD about just this, sort of the um, the interaction between COVID-19, CBD, and cannabinoids. And uh, I must admit, I've, I've seen a lot of articles out there sort of trying to tackle this issue. And I'll be honest, a lot of them I've sort of tuned out because they make a lot of bold claims. But I was, I was very happy to see that yours was very well-reasoned and well-researched. Um, so first, kind of what prompted you to want to write this article? Well, I should say, you know, initially, you know, when when you consider uh, the therapeutic promise and potential of CBD in particular and cannabis, uh, you know, there's an awful lot there, and one does not need to exaggerate and overstate. And I do think there's a lot of exaggeration and assumption and overstatements happening with respect to, you know, cannabis and CBD and, and the, the, the pandemic that we're experiencing now. And um, obviously, we felt it was important to address this issue because it's the burning issue of the day. And there is a lot of confusion. A lot of people do use cannabis for therapeutic purposes or otherwise. Uh, an obvious question is how will that usage impact uh, the virus or the course of the virus, their exposure uh, and you know, symptoms if one does come down with it. So, you know, it's an important issue because of what's happening today. And so in reading through the article, it seems like one of the primary things that you you tackled was looking at whether cannabis or CBD specifically can kind of calm this cytokine storm. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, First, can you explain what exactly that is and and why it's dangerous? Well, you know, the most severe uh, reaction to the COVID-19 virus involves what scientists refer to as a cytokine storm syndrome. And in the Lancet, the eminent uh, British journal, um, they drew attention to the fact that the evidence indicates that people dying of this disease are are, uh, experiencing what they refer to as a cytokine storm. And and in essence, it's not the virus that's killing people, uh, because if that were the case, then anyone exposed would die. Uh, what is, is, is uh, resulting in mortality is, is how the body reacts to the virus. And in extreme cases, uh, there is an intense uh, immune overreaction in the lungs. Uh, and that's what can actually kill someone or, or uh, sicken one to a, to a very significant degree. Uh, so ultimately, it involves um, a respiratory distress, which is the leading cause of death with the COVID-19 cases. 
Um, so basically, it's an intense autoimmune reaction to the virus, and that's what the cytokine storm syndrome is. Uh, and because it's uh, an autoimmune or immune overreaction, um, it raises the question: Well, what can what can be done in, to treat this? And uh, so you need something that's going to uh, suppress the immune system. And uh, cannabis can do that. Cannabis is, and CBD in particular, but also THC, it, it, it notoriously are, have immunosuppressing effects. And it's the reason why cannabis can be very effective for people with autoimmune diseases, of which there are many different kinds. Uh, but an autoimmune disease, when, when the body overreacts uh, to, um, uh, when the immune system overreacts to, uh, a, a, you might say, a misperceived threat, um, an autoimmune condition can result, and, and uh, cannabis could be very effective for that. So it raises the question, well, if uh, the COVID-19 virus in the most extreme form of the disease is an intense immune uh, response, uh, might cannabis or might CBD in particular be helpful in that regard? The, the problem is we really don't know. There's, there's hasn't been any uh, tests in this regard, but theoretically you can posit uh, that the autoimmune uh, or the anti-inflammatory aspect of uh, CBD and MTHC, um, potentially, if it could be harnessed, might be a, a treatment down the road for something like this. But the evidence at this point is, is fragmentary and, and sketchy, but it is compelling. And that, that really ought to be research in this area. Unfortunately, we don't have that research to date. So with cytokines specifically, so how do cannabinoids sort of interact with them or even endocannabinoids? How, how does that all kind of work together? Well, um, these cytokines, they're, they're really a group of proteins that regulate inflammatory responses to diseases and infection, and they're secreted by immune cells, the cytokines. A uh, cytokine could be either pro-inflammatory or anti-inflammatory. Uh, typically, it's a pro-inflammatory uh, messenger. Uh, uh, an example would be the tumor necrosis factor alpha. That, that's a, um, a cytokine that's produced in excess um, in cases of rheumatoid arthritis, which is an, a very painful autoimmune disease. Um, it afflicts you know, more than a million people in the United States, that condition. So what, what um, cannabis could do is it, it can suppress inflammation uh, in various different ways. They're, they're one of the cannabinoid receptors, as you may know, that there's two uh, CB1 and CB2. The CB2 receptor um, is present in immune cells, and when that is activated by THC or in other ways, uh, that will uh, confer an autoimmune, uh, I should say, an anti inflammatory response. So uh, CBD doesn't directly um, activate the CB2 receptor, but it seems to do so indirectly, or it has many um, effects that are uh, parallel or similar to activation of the CB2 receptor. Both CBD and THC are very potent anti-inflammatories. So when you have a, a pro-inflammatory um, expression of the cytokines, um, this is something that could be helpful. And there are, of course, there are other things like corticosteroids and so on. This is how steroids operate um, as anti-inflammatories. They, they're appropriate perhaps for acute um, uh, inflammatory flare-ups, but unfortunately in cases of the cytokine uh, storm, uh, that is not always the case with corticosteroids because they could be harmful in their own right to the lungs, and, and the lungs is the, you know, the focus of the disease. So uh, I think scientists uh, 
are looking for other options other than corticosteroids to treat a cytokine storm syndrome. Um, and again, it might be down the road that CBD uh, or other cannabinoids could be developed in this way, but we're not there yet. Yeah, is another example of there just not being enough research, it seems, at this point. Yes, exactly. And you can credit that to federal prohibition. That has, that has really been a major obstacle to research. And you know, now we uh, are seeing the, the, well, the bitter fruit of that. And, and uh, uh, But hopefully that will shift in the future. Yeah, hopefully some researchers will kind of take up that mantle and, and start doing that research. We'd love to see that presented at CanMed one of these years. Um, another thing you got into in... I think it should because... No, go ahead, please. I was going to add, if I could, you really, there is a compelling, uh, is a compelling scenario to, to justify this kind of research because the, the CBD, uh, pure CBD, single molecule CBD, something like Epidiolex, for example, which is prescribed for ep, uh, epileptics, um, CBD is now being tested and showing some degree of success for um, it, what's what's called graft versus host, host disease, which is also an extreme autoimmune reaction. It, it happens when um, someone receives an organ transplant or, uh, and rejects the organ. Um, that often can be fatal, that rejection. It's called a graft versus host disease. Uh, it's usually fatal in, in 80% of the cases, and there is really no treatment for it. But CBD, because it is a very potent anti-inflammatory, uh, is now being looked at. Uh, there's a clinical trial in Israel that's ongoing as a treatment for graft-versus-host disease. And there's a parallel there uh, because both graft-versus-host disease and, and the cytokine storm associated with the extreme uh, reactions to the uh, COVID virus, um, they uh, are both autoimmune or, or, or reactions, but uh, it's important to keep in mind that with the COVID-19 virus, it's a virus-induced phenomenon, whereas with the graft-versus-host disease, it is not virally induced. Um, but there is um, you know, some reason to be hopeful that, it, uh, that CBD could be harnessed, it, its therapeutic potential for um, in both of these situations. Well, I think that's a good um, a good segue because another thing that the article got into was sort of looking at whether CBD can actually be used as an antiviral agent. So, uh, what does the research say about that? Well, there's there's some hints of that. There's not a lot of research uh, that shows this, but a little bit. You know, there there's um, uh, there was one study uh, that showed, or at least suggested, that CBD had a direct antiviral effect um, against hepatitis C virus. Uh, but this was only a one preclinical study, and there's really nothing else that, that shows that CBD has this direct antiviral properties. Um, what it does show, though, in certain situations, uh, you know, virally induced diseases uh, can, have, um, uh, can be expressed in terms of, of uh, in inflammation, and CBD can temper the inflammation of the viral-induced disease without necessarily directly affecting the virus itself. So that's a possibility, and there are several studies that suggest that. Uh, so uh, as for direct viral antiviral activity, there's not a lot out there, but in terms of reducing the inflammation associated with a viral-induced disease, uh, that's quite possible. 
And what about just kind of having a, an optimized endocannabinoid system? Does that sort of help an individual be able to fight off a viral infection? Well, it's a little tricky. You know, at, at Project CBD, we've gotten a lot of emails, people asking questions and sometimes complaining that we haven't put out stern warnings against people taking cannabis during this period. Uh, the suggestion being because CBD is immunosuppressive, typically. Uh, it's not might not be a good idea uh, to be consuming T, uh, CBD or THC or cannabis at the present time because it might make one more susceptible to the virus. Uh, there's no indication that that's actually the case, but there are some concerns. And I think when we talk about uh, the endocannabinoid system and the immune system, and it's a little tricky because it, it, it's not like a one-way street. It's not that simply an endocannabinoid system will have a, a, a suppressive effect uh, against um, uh, immune, ac immune activity. Uh, it could uh, when, when there is a, a, an overreaction of the immune system. Endocannabinoids system's job, as you might say, is, is, is to temper that, almost like a dimmer switch, to turn down overactive immune activity. Uh, but in a normal situation, um, it, that doesn't seem to be the case that that's happening. It, it, it's in a situation where one, one is not um, dealing with an uh, autoimmune uh, uh, disease, um, it doesn't seem that cannabis or cannabinoids such as CBD and THC has a negative effect on the immune system. If anything, it might be the opposite case. It might uh, help the endocannabinoid system to tone, uh, uh, to do its job as a, as a tonifier. And, and um, rather than just suppressing immune activity, it seems that uh, evidence suggests now that the cannabinoids have an immunomodulating effect, which could entail suppressing immune, act, uh, immune activity when that's important to do, but otherwise just sort of maintaining things and keeping things at a healthy level. Uh, so you can look at it this way. When, when one has a fever uh, to fight it and that's necessary to fight an infection, uh, the endocannabinoid system doesn't turn down the fever. It doesn't turn down the anti-inflammatory response until it's okay to do so. It, it's more like it steps out of the way and it gets out of the way so that the immune system can do its thing and fight off the infection. But in a healthy situation, it's just simply there um, helping to modulate, helping to boost endocannabinoid tone so that the endocannabinoid system does its job well. That, that seems to be the case. So it can really go either way. Um, and when, you, when we talk about immunomodulation, again, it could be uh, suppressive or it could be allowing the immune system to act as it needs to. There, is, um, uh, there was one study uh, of, um, of, the AIDS, of the HIV virus that suggested that cannabis consumption can actually boost immune activity in that regard, which would be helpful when, when dealing with AIDS or HIV infection. So that underscores how... Uh, with cannabinoids, it, they can go in two directions. That the endocannabinoid system is, is sort of operates in a bi-directional way. It, it can um, calm an overexcited uh, nervous system, or it can boost the uh, uh, situation where there's less energy than needed. Uh, because the endocannabinoid system will modulate both glutamate, which is an excitatory uh, neurotransmitter. So again, we'll as a dimmer switch, using that analogy, it will kind of tone down overexcitation. But if, uh, if one's um, uh, imbalance is in the other direction and one is too sluggish, if maybe the 
GABA is more prominent, which is a, a depressive uh, neurotransmitter. Uh, the endocannabinoid system can slow down GABA, meaning it can speed things up overall in the system. So it underscores how it operates in a bidirectional uh, capacity. And um, the CBD and THC, since they're operating through the endocannabinoid system, whether directly or indirectly, will also have a bidirectional effect, and that will apply to the immune system as well. So it can really, um, it can move things in either direction, and hopefully it will do so uh, you know, when it's necessary in a healthy way. Um, so coming back to the question, should, be, should one be uh, consuming ca cannabis at this time? You know, I'm not a doctor. I couldn't really say. I don't know that it would be harmful uh, if one is not affected with the disease. Um, but one should keep in mind that it is immunosuppressive. And I think that's reflected actually now in the sales of cannabis products and CBD products. Well, uh, CBD products have, uh, you know, which has been a, 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 they've been driving the you know, sort of the natural supplement market. It's been the biggest seller for the last couple of years. Uh, since the virus, uh, uh, the pandemic has, has uh, erupted, if anything, it seems that the sales are slowing down of CBD products and people are turning to other uh, supplements that are known specifically to boost immune function, uh, whereas CBD as sort of a default mode would, would tend to be you know, immunosuppressive in most situations, but not always. So it's, a real, it's tricky, and it's tricky because the, the virus itself and how the disease expresses um, you know, is different at different phases. So what might be helpful at one phase of the disease might be harmful at another phase. If you need to um, boost immune uh, response, you know, maybe cannabis and CBD and THC wouldn't be the best things. Uh, if you need to suppress immune response, well, that could be ideal. Uh, but uh, when you're talking about uh, the phase of the disease that's most critical, the cytokine storm syndrome, uh, you know, you're talking about an intense immune response, an intense inflammatory response, where in these situations, an anti-inflammatory compound like CBD or THC or cannabis in general might conceivably be helpful. But, it, but it's really tricky because in these situations, we're dealing with a cytokine storm. I imagine that if, uh, if a cannabinoid could actually be effective in this situation, it would probably need a pretty high dose. And high doses of cannabinoids tend to have the opposite effect of lower doses. Now, if low doses are immunosuppressive, maybe very high doses would be um, uh, just the opposite, which is what you wouldn't need in a, in a cytokine uh, storm syndrome situation. But then again, you know, cannabinoids, which have often been described as biphasic, meaning you know, low doses have a certain response, uh, high doses have an opposite effect. It might be that when you're dealing with something like a cytokine storm syndrome, uh, you could be entering a sort of a triphasic realm where a really high dose of a cannabinoid, such as CBD, uh, could, could uh, not simply have an opposite effect of a low dose, but would be almost amplifying what a low dose would do. It, so it's very complicated, and we really don't know, and one shouldn't be cavalier about these things and make you know, statements as if one, one could be certain about what what would happen. Um, but one should emphasize that we don't know, at least in terms of exposure, uh, you know, short of a, dealing with a cytokine uh, storm, uh, that, uh, that it would be harmful either. Uh, we, uh, so uh, I think um, you know, one has to be careful about these things and has to use their own judgment ultimately at this point. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's 
interesting at least to look at the mechanisms, look at what's actually going on with these conditions, and then sort of look to see what what CBD or the different cannabinoids, what effect they have on the system, and just sort of try to draw some parallels and say, like you like you've been saying this whole time, and you say in your article, there's potential here, but we just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot of value in that, at least to sort of explore whether or not it's a possibility. And then, of course, we could take the next step and actually do the research. But I got to imagine that it must be tough to do that in a situation like a cytokine storm, because it's, you know, a very dangerous situation that is probably being treated with a, a number of different drugs to really sort of isolate what's doing what it must be very difficult. Well, I think obviously you'd have to go through a step-by-step process and preclinical research involving animal models would be necessary here. Um, but, uh, right. you, you know, there, there is, um, there's enough information out there that can make a compelling case that this should be explored, that one should explore this direction. And, and it's almost criminal that it hasn't happened up until this point, because it's not like cytokine storms is something uh, that we, we only learn about recently. It's been implicated you know, a century ago in, in, in the uh, Spanish flu uh, pandemic. Uh, it's thought that the, the deaths resulted in, in, or in that pandemic, Fifty million people died worldwide. During, this is 1918, 1920 during that period. Um, it's uh, it's uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there a little bit. Uh, it, it, the cyto- scientists have known about cytokines and cytokine storm syndrome for some time, when uh, no one was really investigating whether cannabinoids could be a, a treatment in this regard. Sure, and this can happen with the the normal annual flu as well, right? Uh, yeah, but usually that doesn't result in a cytokine storm, that kind of extreme uh, overreaction. Like, you know, flus are obviously dangerous and they could be fatal. Um, and what's kind of an interesting analogy here is that uh, the when one looks at, uh, uh, when one compares the, the uh, expression of um, uh, lung disease in people who, who have um, died because of um, vaping uh, poor products, uh, the, or cannabis oil products or CBD oil products, unlicensed products. Uh, typically, w- what the symptomology shows, what's referred to as uh, ground glass opacities in the lungs. It looks like uh, the lungs, like they're filled with ground glass. And uh, similarly, um, that shows up in, in cytokine storms. It, it, the symptomology is described as ground glass capacity, uh, opacities in the lungs. Uh, so and, and you know both the vaping disease and and, and uh, COVID nineteen are lung diseases. Where people die from respiratory failure. Uh, so that's is something worth looking at there as well. Um, so I wouldn't suggest vaping unlicensed products now to deal uh, to, during this period. That that in general one should avoid those. And, and uh, but when we're talking about immune overreactions and people dying from the uh, immune system. Uh, rejecting what's going on in the lungs. Uh, There is a similarity between the vaping illness we saw during the past summer and what we're seeing today with the cytokine storms. Yeah, and I meant to to ask you about that. Um, Obviously, there's a number of different ways that you can um, consume cannabis. And sort of in the current state of, you know, there being the potential for a COVID infection, would someone who regularly smokes cannabis or vapes, are they at any higher risk of kind of having a, 
a negative response? Should they actually uh, contract COVID? Like, are they kind of setting themselves up for, um, for a bad time, you know, yeah, it's, for it's, lack of a better term? It's a very good question. And it's something that's been discussed a little bit in, in the cannabis press, as it were. The problem here is for so long, the authorities have been crying wolf about cannabis and, 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 and making claims of uh, uh, harm that, that are either exaggerated or fabricated. Uh, so at this point now, when we're hearing warnings from doctors and officials, oh, smoking marijuana, smoking cannabis could, could harm the lungs and make you more susceptible to COVID-19 or, or exacerbated if one is exposed. You know, it, it's the crying wolf phenomenon right. that we've heard. And people, people ignore it because there's been, for lack of a better word, just so much bullshit about cannabis that's been said. And that's unfortunate because... Frankly, at this point, anything that, that weakens the lungs, that irritates the lungs, and that would include uh, tobacco smoking or just uh, air pollution, uh, which is a more serious problem, air pollution, um, that, that's a, right. a risk factor, and people should recognize that. So yes, obviously better to vape if you're using a good product than to smoke. It's less irritating. Or obviously better to consume cannabis in other ways. Uh, one can ingest you know, edibles or drink beverages and so forth. Um, uh, it's probably wise to do that uh, in general. Um, lung health, uh, you know, can be supplemented by jogging a little bit each day and just doing things to stay healthy. I mean, cannabis in general should be, or is best used as part of a healthy lifestyle, and that that's underscored. That message should be underscored in, in, in the in the current moment, given what we're dealing with. Yeah, and one of the things that we're sort of trying to consider trying to look into is what about cannabis itself being um infected with COVID-19 you know us at medicinal genomics we do a lot of work in microbial safety testing so looking for uh, different molds different bacteria that might be in infecting cannabis and um you know bat guano is sometimes used as a plant fertilizer and could that potentially be um infecting the plant in some way um Probably unlikely, but I guess it's something worth considering. Yeah, now. you know, it's in, very interesting. In, uh, in these times. Yeah, it's very interesting that you should bring that up about back on. I really never thought of it. I know that back on I was considered a, a, an excellent supplement for uh, fertilizing plants and so forth. Uh, generally, one would think of it as quite safe, organic, uh, not chemical and so forth. But um, it's worth, worth researching. I think uh, medicinal genomics is probably well positioned to do that. I through um, a genomic um, research, I think one could identify a virus in a plant uh, and certainly can identify mold and other things. So uh, that would be really great if one could look into that. And, uh, but, you know, we're also dealing with uh, what was at least initially a somewhat of a localized phenomenon thought to be originating in China. So one, couldn't, one shouldn't assume that if indeed there was a transfer from bats to humans that might have sparked this crisis, that that would also be the case in, in uh, bat guano as a, you know, used, that's used as a, um, a supplement for cannabis cultivation because we're, we're talking about different areas of the world, but definitely worth considering and looking into. It's an, it's an, it's a intriguing notion. Absolutely. Um, and one of the other things that you had gotten into sort of in the later parts of your article was sort of just the, the current situation that we're in with the, the cannabis industry and how certain restrictions might be actually putting 
folks in the industry at, at higher risk. And one of the things that you pointed out was that banking restrictions mean that dispensaries have to deal in cash, which exposes them more to the virus than if you were, say, using a, a debit card or something like that. I thought that was a very interesting thing to point out. I don't know if you want to expand yeah, on that. It's not just, yeah, I mean, it's not just the um, cannabis workers or people in the industry. It's, it's, it's tax collectors because people have, businesses pay their taxes in, in cash. I and mean, literally wheelbarrows of cash are brought over to uh, the appropriate places, you know, every quarter where you have to pay the quarterly tax. Um, and that's just the absurd situation we're in because cannabis is caught between, betwixt and between, you know, illegal, uh, being legal on a state level, at least in a state like California uh, or Massachusetts for that matter, uh, and many other states. But federal law is federal law and banking privileges are not extended to cannabis businesses. Uh, hopefully that will change uh, perhaps in the near future. Uh, but it's just another way that prohibition, federal pro- prohibition, is is dangerous and contributes to the, the the problems that we're having today. It's not just simply that federal pro- prohibition has blocked research, so we don't really know to what extent yep. CBD or cannabis can have an antiviral effect, uh, which would be really nice to know now. Uh, we don't know that because of federal prohibition, um, and we also are, are consigned to dealing with cash in terms of the cannabis economy. Uh, because of federal prohibition. So it's, and, you know, we also have to consider the fact that uh, many people in jail are jail are in jail because of drug crimes. They're in prison because of cannabis violations. I think over 40,000 cannabis prisoners in the United States. And there's probably no place worse to be now uh, than in a, in a prison mm. uh, because it's closed quarters and prisons are hot, you know, hotbeds for the uh, COVID-19 virus. And Prisoners are dying. Uh, prison workers are being infected. And it's another aspect of how the drug war and cannabis prohibition has contributed negatively to the situation we're now in. Wow. Yeah. Well, at least I guess one silver lining is that at least in, in my state, in Massachusetts and yours, in, in California and others, at least cannabis is being considered essential. So hopefully that's a step in the right direction. We can start maybe um, correcting some of these wrongs. Um, I know we're coming up on... I'm sorry, go ahead. Sooner or later, we we hope. Right. (laughs) No, absolutely. So I know we're coming up on the the time here. So I wanted to give you a chance to uh, tell the folks where they can learn more about you or um, some of the work that you're doing. Well, I'm with Project CBD. It's projectcbd.org. Uh, we have a website that's uh, dynamic uh, and a good source of information. Uh, we've been in this game for now 10 years. Uh, we were involved in actually introducing CBD into the medical marijuana world in California back in 2010, and it spread from there. Um, I think the website is a really good source of information, a good educational resource for interested in, uh, for anyone interested in all aspects of cannabis and cannabinoids, particularly the therapeutic and scientific dimensions. Um, and as you pointed out, you know, we try to stay current and focus on the important stories and certainly COVID-19 today is, is preeminent in that regard. Absolutely. Um, and as I said, at the, at the top of the interview, we're very happy to have you at CAMED 2020 for this year. Uh, your presentation at CAMED 19 last year was one of the most popular, most well attended. So I encourage listeners to to check out that video. I'll put a, a link to it in the in the show notes. So um, 
again, excited to have you and hope to see you out there in Pasadena this fall. So thanks again for thanks. joining us, Martin. Uh, thank you. And I hope we can all uh, join together in Pasadena and, and be there actually in the flesh rather than virtual. That would be wonderful. Yeah, that is the plan. So um, let's hope that happens. <laughs> thanks again. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Martin Lee. Check out the links in the show notes to learn more about the topics we discussed. And please also check out Project CBD. I hope you will join us for our next episode where I talk with our CanMed 2020 medicine keynote presenter, Bonnie Goldstein. Bonnie is the founder and medical director of CannaCenters, and she has treated thousands of patients with cannabis medicine. She has lectured both nationally and internationally about her clinical experience and also helps to educate healthcare professionals on how cannabinoids can be incorporated into a patient's treatment. That episode will drop May 13th, two weeks from this episode. In the meantime, please go to camedevents.com slash coffee talk to sign up for email updates. That will enter you into a drawing to win two tickets to our CanMed 2020 VIP dinner and keep you up to date on all things CanMed 2020. If social media is your thing, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Just search for CanMed Events. And lastly, if you're listening via a podcast app, go ahead and hit the subscribe button so that new episodes automatically download to your device. And if you also want to leave us a five-star review, we'd really appreciate that. All right, that's it from us. Stay safe, stay healthy, and be sure to come back for the next episode of CanMed Coffee Talk.